We should just do like, just for fun one day, we should just do like a three minute show and just call it a day. Just come on and do like four minutes. Just say, okay, well, that's all we have. It's all the yeah. time we have. <laughs> yeah, baby, come on. Hey, since Dan's not going to be around um, for the last, you know, 20 minutes of filler, maybe we should just do like a, a tight uh, 60. Let's do a tight 60. Or just use that segment to do ethnic accents. <laughs> we'll challenge each other. Okay. You do Chinese. Okay, Fred, your turn. <laughs> you do Caribbean. That would be, you know what? What? If that was the last show we did, I would be very funny. Yeah. Who do we have to answer to? The people. Do man. that. Okay. I fucking I I fell into this Norm McDonald fucking rabbit hole on the weekend and he was on Dennis Miller's show like years ago and started talking about Viagra. Holy fuck, was it funny? Oh, these young guys, these seven year old guys with big head cracks. <laughs> yeah. Watch and I can't do it justice. It's, no, I, I think I've seen it, but you know, it's, it's titled Norm or um, uh, Dennis Miller's best interview ever. <laughs> the thing about Norm's voice, and it's funny that you started to do it, is that everybody, and I've told you this story because I had a chance to work with him a couple of times, is everybody that I worked with in, yuck, in the Yuck Yuck Systems system mm-hmm. could tell if you had worked with Norm the week before because all of a sudden you start talking like that and everything is everything is a little bit Norm McDonald. You know what um, I love about him? Just the look on his face because he's, he's looking at the, the, <laughs> the interviewer for a reaction, right? Like, oh, just, yeah. How are you going to fucking receive this? But what about the last part of the show? So it's all just ethnic accents. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And racial slurs are just ethnic accents. No, no, no. We're not like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. You know, there's been a real rash of um, hoser Canadian commercials I've noticed lately. But I don't take offense at all. It's like, you know, the beer and the hay bud and the hay and... I just, it's interesting. And it's like, fuck, do we sound like that? Jesus. We should. Dude, uh, no, wonder, no wonder people make fun of us. <laughs> we should acknowledge, though, that Dan Duran is uh, not in the high quality Dan Duran studio setup that he normally has. Right. I left it at Lisa's. So. So, but I like it. Uh, it's, I like Lisa? that. It's, huh? I thought he said Letha. <laughs> do, you, do you have a lisp now? Did you lose a tooth? <laughs> Did you leave it at Letha's? Yes. I left it at Letha's. Hold on. Is this better if I talk right into this? Yeah, I think it's better. Um, so what we have is it, has, it sounds like our Dan Duran reporter character is on the grounds of a trailer park reporting on the recent rash of hoser-inspired commercials. Yeah, I, I don't know if yeah. I've noticed it. You know, I, I will say this about commercials because I've been watching, you know, the, the only time I ever watch commercials is on the weekend when I'm watching a live sporting event known as golf. And uh, yeah. one thing I will say, and I live in a pretty ethnically diverse neighborhood, but the the casting and, and again, we might segue into the SAG strike at some point, but the casting of these commercials, it must be a um like a like a game of uh, I don't know where you're mixing and matching because there are no longer any strictly white couples in commercials. No, no. Um, there's a lot of um, interracial couples. There are a lot of uh, same sex uh, gender couples. Yes, it really is. Uh, and again, no problem with it. 
Oh, no, you got to always say that. No problem with it. Well, I don't really have true. a problem. I don't have a no, problem with don't. it. No, you don't. Most people don't. But, but you, it's, you've always sort of got to say that just in case people might think. But is it okay to notice it? Sure it is. Listen, I was watching um, <laughs> yesterday here. I put on the CTV news channel and it was a white blonde woman delivering the news. And I thought, whoa, wow. How did she get that job? And Honestly, she, the first thing sorry. I thought was, "Wow, that's not hey, maybe she maybe she tr- maybe she tricked him and she showed up in blackface." Yeah, maybe. But I'm telling you the truth. I thought, "Wow, that's a wow, that's something proud. you don't see every day." <laughs> no, Dan. What are your thoughts on the? Because you you must be going up for uh, jobs now as an oh. you audition. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's fewer uh, there's fewer jobs for an older white male. I'll tell you that we're dirt right now. Middle aged white guys, we're yeah. dirt. We're dirt. I love the fact that we all think we're middle aged. <laughs> yeah. Are we? No, we're end age. We, we're end we stage young? old guys. Honestly, what is middle aged again? Oh, I think we talked about this. We are right. We're seniors. Oh, we're, what is after middle age? Senior. Senior. Oh, and then what? what wouldn't you turn, what is it, super senior? When you get yeah, we're going to, 70 is, I think you become a super senior. But uh, Dan, wow. do you find like, the, will you go out, for, like, are you sent out only for um, anchor jobs these days? Pretty much. Uh, there's been a dad or two here and there, but yeah, it's, it's generally, I mean, it's, it's been discussed by others in the industry. How I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, the pendulum swings, right? It's, it's swung really far right now. <clears throat> yeah. Not that I, I mean, you know, yeah. I don't. Uh, there's some great actors out there that are in, you know, in that that category, which is fantastic. It's good for them. What and, category uh, is that? Ethnic. Well, yeah, the non-white guy, <laughs> non-old white guy category. Right? So this is new, and this is new to you that uh, there's some non-white people out there that are doing pretty good. No, no, not new. <laughs> it's been coming, but it's it's uh, since the pandemic, it's been pretty uh, pretty strong. Okay, that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah, like not, we I'm don't. Not, it's like it's like we don't exist. <laughs> um, we should get started, Dan. Can, are you able to do your announcement using your remote yeah, microphone? I can do, All I right, can do that. Yeah, I'll keep the music a little. Down. Or do you want to work walk fifty paces to come over here and do it? I can do it from here unless you guys think I should do that. I don't oh, dude, I think it's... I love this remote sound. Okay. Good. Okay. It All sounds right. like you're in the field. Yeah. Remember when we, we used to do remotes? Yes, I do. They were the yeah. worst. In radio? <laughs> they were the absolute worst. I hated them. The only reason we did them because they paid us the money. Oh, no. Those kind of remotes. Like going to a, a store on the weekend, those were fine. I love those, actually. Because they were... Yeah. I did because they were ridiculous amounts of money. Right, they. I. I was like, I'll go. To, I'll go to a store for four hours for a thousand dollars. Yeah, I will. I'm not. Uh, I know. And by the way, I know some people and uh, friends of ours that wouldn't do it. I'd be like, Are you kidding me? They're going to give us seven hundred and fifty bucks in hot dogs. <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> give uh, bring them. Yeah. We do those grocery stores. Oh, help yourself to anything you want, guys. What would you like? And we thought, Oh, geez, oh, some of that. Oh, some of that. The Fredman and I, Freddie and I did a series, and I'm going to say between three and six, where we yeah. opened up every can, real Canadian superstore over yeah. the course of a year. And by that time, they were paying us like in, in the thousands. But the remote, do you remember, 
Yeah, that that was great. Do you remember earlier, probably in the nineties, early nineties? Remember during Oktoberfest, there was that bar yeah. in Kitchener. Yep. And they asked if we would come and do Oktoberfest, and we said no. And they said we didn't really want to do it. And then we thought a good strategy is let's just ask for a ridiculous amount of money, and they'll right. they'll, they'll get one of the other staff. So I think we said like fifteen hundred each. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, we want fifteen hundred each for that." Okay. <laughs> no, I know. So where, there we were on a Friday night in some <laughs> some <laughs> Oktoberfest bar with beer flying, emceeing the thing. Yeah. Uh, but the remotes I was talking about is when whenever they would take our show and do it remotely somewhere. Right. It's just horrible. Uh, Dan Duran, here we go. If you can hear the music, you should be uh, ready to do it. I am. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto, from a fancy model trailer, and from a lesser model trailer next door, in the Coorzoo, on a lake with a canoe hanging from a tree. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plant, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, Architect Outdoor Living, Palma Pasta, and our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto. And now here are two men who have thought about getting e-bikes because they're trendy and cool, but won't because they drive their car there anyway. It's Humble and Fran. Mm-hmm, Dan Duran. My uh, youngest was home for a couple days from her summertime. Uh, Spencer's taking uh, some classes in Brooklyn. And was home for Wednesday afternoon. I saw them. And then they were on set. Uh, they came, they're doing like three days on a series. And so Thursday, Spencer went to set and, and uh, did their show. I can't remember the series name, Dan. And then that afternoon, Spenny was there where they were giving out the, uh, when, when SAG went on strike. Screen Actors right. Guild went on strike. So all that production shut down. And Spencer was telling me, it was pretty fascinating, where they were handing out, because this, this was a series. It's, it's a big U.S. series. Again, I can't remember the name of it. But they were handing out, like, packets to, to the actors, basically saying, you know, this is your, like, almost, what do they call that, guys? Uh, I've lost the... Per diem. No, when you get fired, you get a... Uh, oh, severance. Yeah, they were handing out all these oh. severance packages to everyone on the set. And, and Spencer said it was pretty freaky because they were doing their stuff. They were there all day and this, the production shut down. They were allowed to finish it because the strike didn't start till later and they were allowed to finish it. But I guess they had every had everyone had to have their severance packages. Yeah, hearing some of the detail of that. um, Like the squeeze is on from every angle. Oh, yeah, man. You hear the arguments of the actors and you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and I side more with them, obviously, than the than the big companies. But again, the money in streaming isn't what they thought it would be. And the competition has really thinned it out. And they're, uh, this technology thing has really thrown a wrench into a lot of things. Eh? I, I wanted to bring that up, Fred, to, uh, mm-hmm. while Dan was still with us. Because, Dan, I thought you'd find this interesting. Not that you won't. But one of the elements, back to the idea of technology, so these background actors, Mm. 
they, they're, you know, I know Spencer's done some of it. You get like a couple hundred bucks a day and, and you know, scenes need people who are in the coffee shop, etc. So background actors who typically play non-speaking roles to fill scenes make an average of about 38000 a year if, if that's your job. The thing about AI, though, is that they're able to. So you, they hire these people, Dan, for one day, scan them. And then they put them into a database so that they can be in the background in perpetuity forever. And so these are just, this isn't the only issue. And for no money. And for no money. It's just no one money, of yeah. the issues. For instance, you know, and I'm being partly facetious, but there's so much film of you in a newscaster role, in various suits, in situations. All someone would have to do, and again, not to... But they just scan you, and you could be Dan Dan the newsman forever. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because the a lot of the background actors don't uh, are not union on sets. Uh, there's a portion that has to be background union, and then the rest don't have to be. But when those non-union people are are on a set, they they don't they just have normal you know whatever the whatever the production makes up as far as you know rights you goes. They sign a waiver of some sort, and it's in probably in perpetuity anyway. So that's a, and that eventually will creep in and replace the union background actors for sure. It's in, that is interesting. I hadn't thought about that aspect, but there's a lot of discussion about that aspect and uh, rights for you know your image and you know whether you'll be able to work and all those. All those issues are now coming up because this thing is happening so fast. And uh, I think a lot of the producers just don't want to get involved with it because it, it, it's against their their best interest, I would imagine, just to their interest to put it all off. So not to be dumb here, but Actra is in lockstep, I guess, with uh, SAG? Yeah. So all we like, we're, as union members, required to work on any production that we'd sign under the ACTRA agreement, and there is a no-strike clause in that agreement. Okay. So even though SAG's, uh, SAG's on strike, ACTRA can't walk off the set if that's the, the, how, how the production is. So if, give, if give you, you know, an ACTRA contract. as they say on SmartList, for Tracy and whatever, just give people a sense, like, there are ACTRA, there are ACTRA-only shows being shot in Toronto, are there not? Tons of them, yeah. Anything that, that Canadian productions are putting together are like that. And if you work on a, uh, like Americans come up here and work on a show that's an American show, and that would be considered SAG, but they would hire Canadians under the ACTRA agreement. So basically, if you imagine the union is, uh, they sign all these contracts with different uh, entities. So there's the commercial voiceover contract. There's a, a corporate, uh, you know, a corporate contract for when you do stuff for corporations. There's uh, television contracts and there's film contracts. They're all slightly different contracts that are signed with different organizations. So it just depends if there's, like right now, there's uh, in Canada, there's a commercial voiceover. There's a commercial strike on with the advertising agencies. Hmm. So, but, so that situation you just, you just described is what ha- happened to Spencer. Spencer was working on a SAG set under an actor contract. And that set, that set didn't, the, the strike uh, happened later on Thursday. So they all went to work on Thursday morning. 
and then right. the strike happened, and that production had to have all that severance and, and everything else ready. Have you heard, Fred, how long this is going to last? Because it's going to start affecting the fall production of uh, all this uh, content. No, um, but the, all the actors say they're in it for the long haul. Um, that I hadn't heard her in a long time, but Fran Drescher, she's like the president of the Actors Guild or something, and hmm. she sounds quite militant. Um, but and to be clear, that thing you mentioned, Howard, about scanning and using those images forever, that isn't speculation. I think that was in the contractual offer. That was actually in it. Am I not mistaken? Yeah, it says here that uh, it, they, they, the studio execs uh, represent want to use AI to create scans of background performers. Yeah. yeah. You know what's lost? You know, and we talk about this a lot. Everything nowadays is so short-term. I mean, that's short-term thinking. Like, And I know business is business, but when they, you know, we've talked about radio stations in Toronto sending kids out the door knowing they're not paying them enough to live in the market in which they work. Just look at that. It's like, what's the future if you're doing that to people? You know, it's like you're eliminating jobs. You're eliminating contributors. Like, some of those background people could be flushed out of the business, and it might be the next Jerry Seinfeld or the next Tom. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's short term and unfair. Like, at what point do they go, yeah, we'd love to do that. Ideally, it would be great, save us a lot of money. But at the same time, we got to have a, a, a rich, vibrant industry here, even if it main, means making a, less pro, uh, a little less profit. Of course, that's a pipe dream. But No, but as, and, you, and you pointed out. You pointed out at the beginning when we were talking about this a uh, second or two ago about how on the one side, you know, these companies, these production companies and these studios aren't making the money that they thought they were going to. Right. Because of the explosion of streaming content in, in a way that no one anticipated 10 years ago, in a way that. So what's happened is the ability of this, the A.I. ability and the fact that they're not making the money that they wanted, they've got, they've, they're just, I think they're just scrambling to try and, because they're all owned by big corporations. Right. They're scrambling to try and cut corners for, yes. for, to, to shore up their stock prices. Yes. I heard the analogy or this, uh, somebody said it the other day when I was listening to one of the news reports. Um, news reporters. You know, going into this with streaming and everything and all the different options, that line, content is king. (laughs) Mm. But right now, there's almost too much because it's all fragmented, right? And again, I was talking about this the other day. You know, you talk about cord cutting. How often I hear people say, oh, yeah, I got to dump a couple of my services. Mm -hmm. Like, I got too many. Like, I'm spending 200 bucks a month on Crave and uh, Prime and uh, Disney Plus and Paramount and all of it. It's like too much, man. I got I to gotta bail on a few of these. It's just interesting how it's come full circle. Uh, Dan, can you just pause uh, for one more second? I don't know what your commitments are, but you're, all, you're a man on the scene. Uh, yeah. let, let Freddie and I just get caught up a little bit and, uh, you know, support because we're supported by uh, this. Dan, I don't know if you're sure if you're sure <laughs> if you're sure how this works. This is sponsor supported Humble and Fred Radio. That's just the way it is, Dan. Yeah. You, you know, I guess, you, you can't... That's why I read the things at the beginning of the show, right? <laughs> yes. Dan, Thanks for helping me out. Dan, I was wondering. You, you can't AI this shit. 
No, no one, no one is going to AI the humble and Fred show or bother. In the meantime, here's Friedrich. Uh, Tim Niblett, the retirement sherpa, Tim, a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim will be uh, by on Wednesday, and he's going to talk about, I don't know if you call them REITs, or you say R-E-I-T-S. It's a way of investment, uh, investing through uh, private credit, private equities, pension, and endowment fund methodology. Uh, methodology. Um, so very interesting. Again, it's like, you know, I read this and I'm going, what? I, I, I don't get it. But of course, the Sherps will be by and explain it all and give you yet another option on your road to your golden years, your senior mm. years. Super senior. He's the retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. Hang on a second here. I just forgot I had to send a message to Rudra Rishi Maharaja. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, oh, here we go. I have, Dan, I have so many screens. So many screens. Uh, if you had a mouse, if you only had a mouse. If I only had a mouse. And you know what? Maybe I'm thinking next year I may add a screen. And let's talk about Aaron Ventures. So we had uh, Tim Daniels on last week, who is uh, very, very excited about getting Boron out of the ground. It's not boring when it comes to Boron 1, a.k.a. Aaron Ventures, an emerging international junior mining and exploration company. They're involved in the acquisition, exploration, and development of resource properties. Their strategy is to uncover and capitalize on unique development opportunities within Canada and around the globe. Have your person, your Sherpa, or our Sherpa, check it out for you. They trade under the ticker symbol, Boron One Holdings. So check it out. AaronVentures.com You know who is uh, making money? The uh, people selling the Super Bowl ads. That story just came out today. I don't know if you saw this, Fred. No. I don't know what the number would have been back in the beginning of the Super Bowl era. Era. But a Super Bowl uh, ad right now. What would you guess it is to uh, to buy a spot on the Super Bowl, Dan? In, in the... Uh, whenever that is, next February? So like a thirty second spot. A thirty second spot, yes. Probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess like uh, eight hundred thousand now. Or is that way way low? It's way low. Freddie, you have a better uh, any idea? Is it really? Yeah. Is it like one five? Six point five million. How much? What? Six million five hundred thousand dollars for a thirty second ad, according to the article in Variety, Super Bowl uh, fifty eight. In February 2024, and guess what? There's 70% sold out. You just look at that. Where's the return on investment there? But I guess you're a major corporation. Six point some odd million with the right message is easy to recoup. But wow. Wait, here's you ask a great question because the rest of this article talks about why that is. And you're going to love this. So. Network ratings for day-to-day television shows, just just on what we're talking about. There's so much choice now. Nobody, and we've had this discussion with Bill Briel, mm-hmm. nobody is turning their TV on at 10 for CSI or uh, NCIS, whatever bullshit is on. So because network ratings are so bad, 
Live Sports. Live Sports, in this article, says, is TV's last stand for bringing eyeballs together en masse and forcing them to sit through ads, which is why companies drop huge money on this event. And here's some uh, other stuff. I'm just trying to... The, during the... Um, so, last year was uh, Chiefs and Eagles. And at halftime, Rihanna uh, teamed up uh, because of the game and Rihanna to attract 113 million viewers. And Fox, who had the rights at that time, grossed 600 million in ad revenue. Because as we've often talked about, the only thing people will go to on network television anymore is live sports. And that's why these ads are so expensive. Yeah. Um, and that, and that sort of transcends all demographics, like older demographics are still going for live news, but younger demographics aren't, that's not where they're getting their news. Older people are, and that's going to quickly come to an end. So you just put the clock ahead, you know, or the, the calendar ahead five, 10 years. What is, uh, network TV going to look like? Is it just, are they just all going to be sports networks? So here's a, a, some perspective. When, what was the American Idol was at its peak? Do you remember American Idol, Dan? It was a singing show. Oh, yeah. People would go on and they would sing. Yeah. I sometimes like to talk to Dan like he's, he's just. <laughs> He's like I in his nothing. No, that you're in your 90s now. Dan, you remember when there was a thing <laughs> on the TV? Um, I'll give you some perspective on the on the Tuesday night performance show because they they also brilliantly had their results show on Wednesdays. They were averaging in the 30 million viewers a night. 33, 32, something like that. For the first time in any of our lifetimes, no broadcast drama or comedy has surpassed 10 million viewers across Nielsen's latest U.S. ratings season. The only two weekly programs averaging 10 million last season, NFL telecasts. Yeah. Yep. Delise watches The Voice, but she never... I'm. <laughs> She, put it this way. Sometimes she does, but she you never have to watch that in real time, right? Because on my Rogers thing, I just hit that record thing whenever it comes on. Mm -hmm. And when she feels like watching a few episodes, she'll just sit down and go to the app or whatever it is and watch it in her time and be able to fast forward through commercials. So even these networks who depend on advertising, like CBC Gem and CTV has their sort of app. All these programs are offered at, um, you know, for you to watch them on your own time, mm -hmm. which means you can start screwing around with the commercials, cutting through commercials, not really absorbing the, the message. And it's uh, it's quite the phenomenon. Well, I have a question for uh, you about watching like not Blue Jays, but like, say, an NFL game. But Dan, I even on non-majors. So if it's a major, I want to watch it in real time. Like I'll watch the Open Championship this weekend because it, I, I want to be part of the worldwide community. But on an average PGA Tour weekend, I tape it. I'll tape at least an hour, and and because I don't want to watch any of the commercials. Um, is there any broad? Do you even have a broadcast television in your life, Dan? No. Yeah. No, neither, neither, do, neither do my kids. 
I mean, I think I have something in storage that uh, that I could pick it. You know, if I connected an aerial to, but <laughs> some I rabbit never ears. Done that in my life. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think I have never done that. My entire uh, television owning career, <laughs> I've never. I've only had cable connected to the TV. I've never had one of the. And you know, when I was a kid, we had the rabbit. Yeah, of course we did. Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, uh, in 1966, the Super Bowl commercials were $37,500. That's how much uh, a commercial would cost. They broke the uh, million-dollar threshold in 1994 for the 32nd spot. Wow. Well, back then, a lot of – there was the NFL and the AFL, and the NFL was sort of the senior circuit then, too. There was a lot of people annoyed by that. Um, Annoyed by what? Well, you had the AFL, which was a new up-and-coming league. I think it started in 1960. Uh, And it was only around five, six, seven years. And then they decided to have a championship game between the NFL and the AFL. And a lot of NFL fans thought, what? What are you doing here? This little hack league you're talking about. And then the Green Bay Packers won the first two. And it was, of course, the NFL, you know, is the premier league. Of course, they're going to win. And then along came Joe Willie Namath. I think it was the third Super Bowl in 1969. And the Jets beat the Colts, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it changed everything. Didn't he? uh, Didn't Joe? Yeah, Joe Namath was like. And this is going to be a great segue either soon or later in the show to something I'd recommend you watch. But wasn't Joe Namath? Um. Not only was he cool looking and he was in the, you know, sort of like Broadway Joe, but uh, didn't he predict the win? Didn't, and, and, and the Colts were sort of the establishment team and he predicted an ass kicking? Yes. Well, it wasn't an ass kicking. No, he predicted that they would win. And I think the, the score was like 14 7 or it wasn't, if, again, if memory serves me uh, correct. Um, it wasn't an ass kicking, but it was a victory. But he was, yeah. I'm sorry. He he, he predicted a victory in my head. Yeah. Joe Namath was the first superstar athlete that I knew of. Yes, and it was his flamboyancy, right? He was sort of the alley of, of yes um, of team sports. He just was. He he was brash and confident, and you know, he just ended up in the right market for that, and. Uh, and the right team, too, because, of course, there were the New York Giants. But, again, they were the old established franchise, and the Jets were relatively new at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. We'll maybe do this when Dan has to leave, but uh, I've been watching this series that I, I, I think you're going to find fascinating. It's about uh, three quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I saw that. I haven't watched it, but I saw it when I was scrolling. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's, I, I wasn't sure I was going to check it out, but I want you to, we'll talk about it later because I, I want to get into this whole idea of what these guys go through. It's crazy. Um, Dan Duran. Yep. Now, you, um, <laughs> you've, uh, have you heard of the Mission Impossible franchise, Dan? Yes, I have. <laughs> we talked about it last time. I, I know. Right? I'm just going on my continual. Oh, right. Uh, have I you heard yeah. about. Because right, uh, I'm, I'm a super senior kind of uh, character. <laughs> right. Okay. Dan, do you, have you heard of this young fella, Tom Cruise? He's, uh, he's an up and comer, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's making uh, waves in this business, fella. The uh, man on a mission, yes. Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, ran to a strong box office debut. I don't believe, and maybe you could check this, if it actually beat his personal 
one uh, opening weekend. I think that was uh, Top Gun Maverick. But so far, it's done pretty nicely with a global haul of $235 million. Um, I'm going to go see it. Will you go see it, Donald? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it would be a that'd be one of those movies that are worth seeing in a movie theater. Absolutely. Uh, it was shot in, and apparently I'm not sure if the VIP over here shows it, but there's a you apparently seeing it in IMAX or an IMAX screening is quite something. I've never watched a movie in IMAX. We should, no. you know what? We you should get all I mean, not a not a not a not made for IMAX movie movie. You should get all stoned and go do it. I'll come with you. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Well, some I, uh, I loved. I when I was a kid, I used to watch all the Mission Impossible. I loved. Yeah, that. me too. I loved that show. That, that was one, one of my favorite show. shows, Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. Um, some Did you guys hear the story about some uh, movie theaters in Toronto, uh, movie goers in Toronto who had a special? Uh, thing happened to them no oh, what's yeah, that I did. uh some people in downtown toronto at a uh, advanced screening all of a sudden the door opens and tom cruise just saucés into the theater it's like four days ago really yeah introduce right here he's introducing the director then he addresses the crowd i love you guys I I, I didn't know I was here. We dream of these moments to make these films for you and for you all to see it in this kind of format. So it's... I guess it's at an IMAX show. It's such an honor to entertain you and I'm just so happy to see everybody here. Please uh, enjoy the mix, the music, the picture, our entire crew that made this film, our cast and crew. This is the stuff we talk about and we love movies and we love you all and thank you very much. We're very grateful. So, uh, you know, how, how cool would that be? You know, you're at Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. And you see what I'm saying, Dan? The guy who was in the movie. <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> you know, he did. He, they did. They did a multiple city tour. Yes. On that. They yeah. Did, he was in three or four city cities. To city to city. Yeah. Cool idea. Yeah. Very cool. It wasn't a hologram. Right. It was AI. It wasn't really Tom Cruise. <laughs> was he really the AI's AI Tom? Because there's conspiracy now because at the very same time he was in three or four other theaters to say in the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw him uh, a week or so ago talking about Toronto traffic, actually, mm. which I thought was uh, interesting. Um, his point being of all the markets and all the cities he's been to, he remembered tra- Toronto traffic as being frustrating. I don't know if he would have been driving around. Who knows? But. Yeah, he commented on that. And who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. You know, I I I only exp- I don't go into the downtown core that much. I usually go down on Fridays to go to Stretch Lab and I have had a couple of incidents this summer, but I will say this, you got to give, you know, credit that 401 stretch from the 427 out past Milton. Mm-hmm. Which for 10 years has just been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. is now, I think I mentioned this, is now at 16 or 18 lanes and it's fully yeah. functional. And, you know, it's the it really has changed my whole summer in terms of going back and forth to Milton. What do you mean? Yeah. It's, it's easier to travel now? Mm-hmm. Well, for the last decade, Dan, they've been, you know, for the most part, because of their they were expanding it. So for the most part, every day that I would go out to that golf course on 25, it was two or three lanes. 
Oh, okay. And it could take me an hour to get home, whereas now it's 35 minutes each way, no matter what. Quite something. Well, that's not the best of news to Dan Duran, but... Why is that? Well, because he's not big on uh, cars and highways and the expansion of um, that mode of transportation, are you, Dan? That's true. <laughs> well, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Which degree is that? Toll highways. Well, this well, isn't a like toll to... highway. It's called the 401, Dan. It's no, been around for it. some I, I time. Yeah. You know, on that note, too, you know that um, they're talking about that Highway 413. <laughs> And there's people all upset about it. It's going to cut above the 407. I think it's going to go from like 427 up to the 404. And there's people just losing their minds over this thing. And Doug Ford's an asshole for proposing it, even though it's sort of been in the works for a couple of decades. And I just thought, you know, it's so typical of transportation in Ontario. It's like a little bit of forethought. Let's prepare now for what's coming. And, oh, you can't do that. And then it'll get squashed and we'll be in a situation where, <laughs> like the subway. Like we like still won't have a subway. Is, you know what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the subway, it'll be way behind, like train service way behind because, you know, I think a lot of other places that have great transportation um grids and 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 um systems you know that they thought ahead obviously i'm not sure what you're talking about just give me one second dan what do you mean it's going to go above the 427 and cut over to the 404 above the 407 it's above the 407 on it is that right dan at the 427 and then arc up to the north part of the 404 yeah, I didn't pay real close attention to it where it's traveling, but it's it isn't isn't it going through the Holland Marsh or there's there's some environmentally sensitive land that that there's been in mm-hmm. discussions right. about, and they just fast tracked all that and just made it arbitrary decisions, and that's what people are up in arms about. Yeah, Dan, have you been to Europe? Those people seem to have figured out the way to train all over the continent. Oh, and, I totally agree with you there. You know, Charlie yeah. just came back from a trip to Switzerland, and she was telling me about it yesterday that. You know, just getting on and off trains all the time is so convenient and easy to do. It's not always cheap, but it's convenient. And it has, you know, that challenges the amount of people that have to drive across the 401 every day. Yeah, I, I think sometimes uh, governments just have to muscle this stuff through. But it, I, I don't know. It's been too democratic here or something. And again, stuff stalls because I think in, you know, Germany and England and all those areas, it's like we need this. It's going through. Um, and again, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, sometimes it's just necessary you know well in toronto unlike other cities the uh the city has to pay for the uh the subway infrastructure so that's been Mm -hmm. a problem because it can't it's very very expensive to put that in and Mm -hmm. like other countries other cities throughout the world big cities there it's because it's Mm -hmm. considered important to the economy that the uh the bigger governments the the states and the uh Mm-hmm. And the federal governments have have pitched in on those projects, which I think has happened a little bit. But it's no, I understand that's a dimension. Yeah, that's yeah. a dimension to it. But again, a lot of it too is that the the whole not in my backyard thing. Um, I was talking to the real estate guy that I talked to, and um, he was saying, you know, again up in northwest of me, 
Caledon area up towards Grand Valley and all that, these windmills are causing big problems for real estate prices. People are screwed. And whether you think they're good, bad, or indifferent, the reality is people come to look at a home, and if they can see those windmills, they're not interested. They walk away. And that is, and again, they might be the greatest thing ever, but I'll tell you, from cold, stark reality on investment, you got to stay away from them now. It's sad, but true. And again, that's an example of not in my backyard. That's what people are afraid of. So they fight it, you know, be it a highway, be it the windmills, whatever. But uh, you go up in those areas and you, they're all over, man. People don't want them. Yeah, it's uh, all it's all great. And it's, as you say, it's a great idea until you have to sell your house or you want to buy a place. And you're like, hmm. Yeah. You know, same with hydro lines, though. There was a place Randy and I, ex-wife Randy yeah. and I, were looking at in, uh, you know, Clarkson area there and mm-hmm. found a really nice house we both loved. Except there was a hydro line pretty close to the property. And I was going to, you know, you know, me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And Randy's like, you know, we can't have the kids playing out in the backyard, you know. So, uh, yeah, all that stuff. And the thing is, again, you want to be a good citizen and play along. But when when it's your when it's your nest egg, it's your nest egg, the biggest investment you'll ever make. You got, you know, your these things, these decisions enter into it. And I would just feel bad for somebody that has a nice home on up up in that area. And then, you know, arbitrarily, whether it was put to a vote or whatever, all of a sudden you look out your front window and you see these spinning windmills. It's not a, it's not a good marketing tool. No. And, and the thing is, we both, all three of us know someone who is uh, actually uh, faced with this uh, issue, mm-hmm. not on not in this country, but uh, there's a proposed, you know, um, I won't even say what it is, but a similar, you know, uh, green energy project Mm -hmm. that's going to severely impact the cost or sorry, the value of the home that they own. Um, Let's uh, before Dan leaves, I want to get to um, two things. And I know you you said, oh, you know, listen to RFK Jr. It's not all nonsense. Well, he is, of course. He, eventually, everyone gets around to the Jews. But uh, first, let's talk right. about let's first first let's talk about these fine folks. Architect, uh, full service turnkey building partner. Yeah, with their clients, it's a partner partnership. That means they help create the design right down to an exacting level of detail. Okay, you work closely together. They want to make sure you're getting exactly what you want. Then they make sure it gets built to your exact specification. Yeah, you're on site. You can see what's going on. They want you to be happy. It's your backyard, so it's got to be done your way and done right. This makes it simpler for clients uh, because uh, Architect, they source the materials. They make sure it meets building code requirements. Uh, they prepare the construction plans. They apply for permits, all that stuff that is aggravating, actually. But they've got it down. They've got the connections. They get it done for you. And then they come and manage the job site. Working with Architect ensures that you get what you want again and that it's done right. So important. Give them a call at 647-775-9222 or go to architect.com. If you're feeling a little bit stiff, maybe you're like one of us senior citizens or like our friend, old crotchety Dan Duran. <laughs> Dan Duran. And you want to get stretched out, improve your sports performance, increase the range of motion and flexibility. Hammer down. 
Even reduce muscle and joint pain. Recommend StretchLab.com. StretchLab Toronto. There's no one reason why people go, but I can tell you from having weekly uh, sessions, it definitely will make an impact on the way you feel. Whether it's a sports performance improvement or just wanting to decrease some of the pain you're feeling, a um, professionally assisted stretching routine is tremendous right now for $59. You can go in and get a, an assessment and then a 50-minute stretch. And you will feel differently when you leave. Check it out at Stretch Lab. StretchLab.com. Stretch Lab Toronto. So this story is making the rounds, Dan, about uh, long-shot Democrat uh, presidential candidate RFK Jr., who is a you know a nut job. He's a bit of a nut job, but you know Fred said, "Oh no, he's some of the stuff he says makes sense." Maybe now he denies this story, but it was reported by the New York Post, and the title was "RFK Jr. says COVID was ethnically targeted to spare the Jews." <laughs> To spare them. To spare the Jews. Yes. COVID is targeted to attack Caucasians and black people, he said. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews. I'll explain who they are in a second. And the Chinese. He says, we don't know whether it was deliberately targeted, but an overwhelming portion of American Jews are Ashkenazi who are descended from Jews who lived in Central Europe, blah, 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 and uh, were spared. Now, um, so there's two types of Jews. There's the Ashkenazi, which he describes, which is where I'm from, people that descended from Eastern Europe. And then there's Sephardics, who are the sort of descended from the Middle East, who are very dark. Who, this is why, you ever heard that story about, like, what Jesus really looked like? Yes. Right. Well, Jesus would have been closer to a uh, black man because of the region of the Middle East he came from. They were Sephardic Jews. Mm. Um, very swarthy. Anyway, back to this story. So there you have it, Dan. Eventually, it always... So here's the thing I want to know. If I was supposed to be immune, how come I got it? It's because I'm a moose judge, you. Because you're not an I farted Jew. <laughs> no, I am. I'm one of the ones that should have been spared, the Ashkenazis. Oh, okay. The other ones are Sephardic. Okay. You farted. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're trying to make a little farty joke there. I know. Um, Yeah. um, And let me get... I know he's a whack job. I'm just saying I've heard him talk sometimes, and I've heard some things going, well, you know, I can accept that on some level. That's all. You know? So he denies it, but the Mm -hmm. video was him at a speaking, speaking at a dinner in New York. So he, he denies he said it, but apparently there's some video or audio of him saying it. So, well, there's not a few. He's a, he really likes a lot of conspiracy theories. There's there's a whole list of things that he's believed yeah. in. Or how is that good? How is that good business? <laughs> you know what I mean? Although, look at what am I saying? I mean, why alienate a segment of your potential electorate? But Trump does that all the time. So yeah. There's but, a strategy to it, but it's it doesn't not even make working. any sense. Like he said, part of the no. most, the most immune people are these kind of Jews and Chinese. Didn't the Chinese get a lot of the COVID? 
Yeah, but they invented it. They invented it. Right, right, something. right. That's the conspiracy, right? All right. So. Out of a lab. Yeah. Yeah, some of that lab COVID is the best. Um, did we talk about this on the show or, or but I, th- I think it's coming back when I mean, we did talk about it. The fact that it's um, that it seems like it's coming around again in the fall. Live, I've, a few people I know have got COVID this uh, in recent in recent weeks. Yeah, I just heard of, of somebody that's got COVID, too. I forget who it was in a conversation with someone here this weekend. And I said, oh, geez, yeah, that's still a thing. Yeah, it is for some people. Yeah, man. And uh, again, I, yeah, I think I brought that up last week or the week before that it's back in the news now. Are you going to get your jab this fall? Right, right. Um, remember when we were talking about that? Because um, as a preventative thing, are you just going to get a jab or you're going to... Yeah. What's the situation? Almost, to, and I think you made that like a, a flu shot. Now, am yeah. I going to do this to protect myself going forward? Did um, they reformulate the vaccine? I don't know for the for the fall. Like, um, like they do that with uh, with flu vaccines, right? They they evolved, so they. Uh, I was wondering if they you know figured out a different uh, strain or something that they're gonna. I was supposed to go hang out with a buddy at uh, his place and uh, have dinner with him and his wife. And his wife came down with the vid midweek. And uh, that's not the first person. I've, there's a couple of people I heard recently. Oh, you had. were the guy that told me that. Yeah, I, I thought it was that. someone up here. You, yeah, yeah. The other day you told me you had some plans. Uh, two, right, right. Uh, you, had, you, you had the opportunity to do two things and they were both were canceled and one was because of a covid uh case yeah the other one my buddy dave got like the either food poisoning or he got like 24 hours of like the super shits and puking anyway dan before we leave i have the i'm gonna i send this to dan i think i sent it to fred too but it's a comedian i like um named rory scoville uh talking about how, how problematic it is being german um, in modern times. Hmm. Here we go. Now, he's not German. He's just putting on this accent. And this will be a good segue when we do the last half hour of the show with just nothing but ethnic accents. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But have a listen to the content. Because <laughs> the content is quite funny. You know, get too freaked out in German. Yes, you know, Germany. We're chill. You know, we're chill. We're a chill place. You know, we sort of have to be now. You know. Yeah. Have to be. It's like the whole world saw what we did. Like, Are you sure I didn't play this for you last week? I haven't heard it. Okay. Like, literally every single person, like way before YouTube, saw all the footage. All of it. And I think, you know, as Germans, we're sort of overcompensating, I think. Have you ever seen, you know, German pornography? You know, you watch it, you're like, this is crazy. Like, what the f*** is this? Is this people having sex? And since they're shitting on each other? And since they're having sex again? It's disgusting. It's like, I know. Like, can you even remember, like, any other crazy thing we did? As a country? I don't, you know. Once you've seen this, it's like, that's pretty much it for us on, you know, terms of the deep end, you know. That's kind of as far as we really went, you know. So I, I like that as a premise. <laughs> they, they invented German shit porn 
to get everyone's mind off the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the premise, Dan. Yeah. Got it. Thanks for helping me out. I like to help you out during the show, Daniel. And um, yeah, you know, yeah. very comical. Well, very we're, comical. We're sorry you have to go, but uh, we look forward to your return tomorrow, Dan. All right, I'll have a better microphone ready to go. No, it was kind of cool today having you, uh, you know, sounding like Sound your like remote. The 40s or something, yeah. Okay, buddy. All right, then. I'll be off. All right, dude. There's Dan Duran for all your Dan Duran needs. Well, seriously, man. We, like, we, we don't uh, need to belabor this. Uh, we just make sure we get all the sponsors in and, uh, you know, covered a lot of stuff. Yes. How would you? Uh, how did you enjoy being up at the trailer by yourself all weekend? Um, it's not my first choice. I like, you know, I like it when my little darling's here with me. But she wanted to hang out with her mom this weekend, so I just thought I'd roll up here and, uh, you know, did a lot of laying around. The weather wasn't the best, although yesterday the weather broke in the afternoon and we had a great bocce match. My buddy Brian Collins was here, and Dan Duran and Bruce Mallory, the four of us, got locked in a heated battle on the beach. It was fun. So it was gorgeous afternoon. When you guys do beach bo- uh, bocce, because I've played bocce up there with you guys, but sometimes right. you're on the road. Yes. Is this version strictly on the beach, or are you allowed to move around? No, no. On the road, we play with plastic water-filled balls. On the beach, it's the big acrylic ones okay. where you throw you throw them in a different manner. Um, I prefer it to road, although that was the original form here at the park. Mm-hmm. In our in our uh, annual championship was road bocce with the plastic balls and the wa- the water filled plastic balls. But uh, the beach is just fun. The vibes better, you know. Sometimes some tunes playing, bare feet in the sand, looking did, up the did, lake. Did you guys have your? Uh what is that thing called? Not a trailer, but a uh, some wagon. Wagon, man, I'm losing no, someone. No, it's a wagon with beer. No, we each had our own little uh, cooler bags yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah, and we paid. Uh, we played uh, best two out of three, and me and Dan beat Brian and uh, Bruce uh, two straight. And then we had more time, so we played one to twenty-one, and they beat us. So it was. It was a fun afternoon. Fun, competitive afternoon. Yeah, guys, are uh, we're great at that. We're really great at having uh, silly things count. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. My ex-wife pointed out that to me years ago. Years ago, watching little boys play versus how little girls play. And she said something to me, and I'm, I don't get it exactly, but she said, you know, Boys can make anything a competition. I said, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No matter what it is. Like, I've I've had competitions with people, with boys, throwing paper, wadded up pieces of paper into a uh, trash can. And, like, really been into it. (laughs) Like, really, I remember one office we were in, I I was really into it for a bit. Mm -hmm. No, I know. And then it means a lot to be the guy that can throw the paper in the basket better than everybody else. It means a lot. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. little women, and again, I know, being generalizing, but um, they don't interact the same way. They compete in other ways, subtler yeah. ways. Yes. They do it without 
Yeah, without really saying it. Yeah, they're competing. Uh, yeah. Whereas we do it overtly. We'd be like, hey, you want a game of, like, a, a, a basketball. I used to have a basketball on my driveway. A basketball hoop in my driveway. In, uh, in the matrimonial home. I spent hours with the kids. Playing pig and horse and just dicking around. At high school, did you ever play... Uh Lunch table football with the quarter pushing it across. The yes, quarter. of course. Like that, that that consumed our lunch hours. Yeah, when I went to high school, you turn your and hands yeah, into the got, uprights at the end. Yeah, guys yeah. would get reputations of being really good, and you'd want to play them and hope to beat them. And you know, the challenger had to use his quarter, and if you lost, the guy got to keep the quarter. And and back then, that would buy a big plate of fries with gravy. Yeah, I still remember how to do. Like you sort of throw it up like this. Yeah, with yep. your two thumbs for the convert. That's why we could play road hockey for hours in any form. I mean, whether you had a whole mm-hmm. full team or two guys or taking shots. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I love golf. You can turn anything into a competition instantly. Well, there's so many variables. Oh, yeah. Like sometimes just in the middle of a game that you're not even playing for a uh-huh. uh, you can say to a guy, like, if you're in the same area, you're both chipping to the green, you go, hey, mm-hmm. chipping contest, closest to for a beer. It's always, it's pervasive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, um, so do you want me to tell you, have you, so you said you watched or you saw, you saw the uh, preview for quarterbacks? I didn't, yeah. Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. It's produced by Peyton Manning. Yeah, when I was going through, I saw, you know, when Netflix, you know, a little portion of it comes yeah. up before you click through. I saw that. That's all I saw. And I thought, oh, I'll have to make a note of this. You'll love it. Although, I'll be honest, beyond um, Mahomes, I don't really know those other two guys. Interesting. Because, you know, it's funny because everyone knows Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. Phenom. But the other two guys are, to me, almost more interesting. One is Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins, was with Washington for years, is then in now with the right. Vikings. And the other guy is a guy named Marcus Mariota, sort of a journeyman. Yeah. And, and it's not just about them, it's about the sport, but it's about the position of quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I just finished uh, the third episode. And to what their bodies go through each week to get ready for a game. Um, like Kirk Cousins was a is a pretty big star in that league. Yes, he is actually. Yeah, never a superstar, but a pretty good. Like he's not a journeyman. I went and looked up what they're paying him. He's like in the thirty five mil category. Like he's mm-hmm. he's he's sort of I would say middle to the upper echelon. Yes. Like last year, I don't know how the Vikings ended up, but they were like seven and one. They beat the Bills in that. Remember that game where everything went wrong, wrong. in the last two minutes. Yes. So, um, but I think you'll find it fascinating for a variety of reasons. And if you're not an NFL fan, I think you'd still enjoy it because what that position requires these kids to go through each week and how much they're hit is ridiculous. Yeah. And the NFL has taken great measures to protect the quarterback. So you imagine what it used to be like. When they were just like another player on the field. Oh, yeah. Now there's all sorts of rules to protect them, right? Horse collars and hitting to the head, mm-hmm. late hits, and on and on and on. Um, but, yeah, through this, you you see the, they still go through Freddie, their, their first two days, like Monday, Tuesday after the Sunday game, Mahomes not so much because he's a younger one. 
But these other two guys who are in their late 20s, early 30s, they're in, they're in pain all the time. And, and as they say, their whole week is getting rid of the pain by the time the weekend comes, and then you have to do it all over again. To your point about late hits and, and the linemen rushing, so Mahomes is quite a character. And they've got them all mic'd up. So you can hear what they're saying on the field. <laughs> and so on the field, Mahomes, every time someone rushes him, he's like, good rush, man. Good rush, dog. Hey, that was pretty good. Keep it up. 55. Good one. Good one. And, and then they go to him in the interview and he says, one of the reasons I do this is I want them to like me so that maybe <laughs> it's true. I thought it was so cute. He says, because maybe consciously or subconsciously, they won't completely finish a hit on me once I right. release the ball. And you can mm-hmm. hear him. He literally compliments everybody that hits him, <laughs> everybody that rushes him. It's mm-hmm. really funny. Good one, dog. Good one, dog. It's really cute. So I'm yeah, enjoying well. it. I, I didn't know that I was going to, but uh, it's got that sort of, I guess now that sports stock, uh, Formula One, drive to survive kind of thing. You get a chance to go behind the scenes of a sport. Isn't there a tennis one now, too? Yes. Breakpoint or something. Yeah. Tennis, golf, motor racing, uh, the yeah. the, the um, and uh, the the uh, Tour de France. I saw that one. I mm-hmm. like them. I, I you know I, I like a lot of different sports. I'm, I, I'm thanks for reminding me about the tennis one. I would watch that. Well, because it's um, they're very enlightening, right? They 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 educate you on the sport stuff that you might not have noticed before or right. really taken the time to 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 discover. Again, like, you know, welcome to Wrexham and um, the the soccer ones that I watched. Sort of not quite in the same vein, but still you learn all sorts of stuff while you're watching them, which gives you a better appreciation of what it's all about. Like you just said about the quarterbacks, right? Really appreciating exactly what they go through. I mean, the game's over. You forget about it, right? But as a fan, but so it's cool after the Buffalo game, Mm. uh, you know, after almost every game. They they go to the what I I didn't realize I mean, maybe you knew this but the the two teams will like be on the field and guys that used to play with each other will come over and say hi or but Mahomes universally goes over and congratulates the other quarterback and there's a yeah. nice little exchange between between him and Josh Allen and uh, he's just a really I like him he's a really engaging kid he isn't though the highest paid quarterback in that league. In fact, there's some, I've read some because I went on and looked up some articles about him. Like, what is he making? He's at 40. He signed a 10-year, $450 million contract, which sounds enormous. But he's still under. There's a couple of guys in the league that just got recent contracts that are making 50-52. I couldn't name who they are. Is that, I think one of them, isn't it Matthew Stafford of the yeah, Rams? I think so. I think he's one. And off the top, I don't know who the other. What would Josh is. Allen be making? You know what? I off the top, I just I don't know. He's doing well. So Mahomes is at forty five a year, but he makes another forty five or fifty outside of the endorsements, game endorsements. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very interesting, uh, Doc. It's called The Quarterbacks, and uh, the very first episode, Peyton Manning, who it turns out is the producer sort of sets up the series as to you know what you're going to see and mm-hmm. yeah it was very interesting very very cool and this marcus Mariota on the other end of the scale he's a journeyman he's making he's got a contract now i can't remember who he's with he was with atlanta he's been with four or five teams mm-hmm. um 
but he's like a five million to eight million dollar year a year guy you know in his early 30s end of his career i guess he's a guy you bring in to make sure in case you're other real guy in case the starter goes down or something yeah, it's interesting. Eh? A, a sport, when you think baseball pays, plays 162 games, so that's 81 opportunities to generate revenue, and I think they have some kind of revenue sharing in baseball. Mm-hmm. And football only has, you only have nine, eight or nine home games a year, and it's the richest, most lucrative sport, the most successful sports league. So just think, on those once a week, the revenue they're generating off those games, mostly through television, obviously, because the NFL makes more from television than anyone because it's the perfect television sport all on one day. And I was going to say, maybe Sunday maybe and, it's mm-hmm. because of that once a week aspect. Maybe. Yeah. But you just think about the turnstiles, right? Like baseball or even hockey, like, you know, 40 opportunities to make money. And football is like a fraction of that. Yeah, well, they, and, and, and just goes to crush Australia. the other sports with revenue. Well, yeah, because their revenue isn't derived from how many people are in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I really enjoyed it. And it's given me, as you said, a, another a, a different appreciation for the sport. I'll appreciate it more when I watch it. And just seeing what these guys, what they're like in the locker room and and how much pressure's on that position. Mm-hmm. How they also, again, Mahomes is great at this. And they, all three of them are very good at this. But Patrick's the best at, like, pumping up his teammates. Um, how much of, uh, I, you know, how much influence they have on the on the tempo of the game. How, how the other players look to them. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it may have been the NHL that, well... Those specials like that, it may have been the NHL that started it with those lead up to the All-Star Games. Remember a few years ago, the Leafs did one and I, where they followed the team for mm-hmm. yeah. a few months leading up to it. I think that sort of opened the door. I mean, there was the 30 and 30s too, but they were sort of different. But um, I think the NHL was the first out of the gate with that concept. Well, it sucked then, me in, man. I said, yeah. you know, it, it sucked me in with the Formula One, but not like this. Like I, uh, I had recorded uh, the golf yesterday because Charlie was here, and uh, I didn't watch the uh, PGA Tour uh, tournament this week. I watched the uh, Scottish Open because all the big stars were over there. Rory McIlroy birdied the last two holes to win. And then I was like, I can't, I was sort of fast forwarding it because I just wanted to see how it turned out because I wanted to watch another episode of the quarterbacks. Funny little world I'm in. Yeah, I'll have to uh, make a note of that one. I got a long list of things I got to watch. And while these, um, yeah, they're, you know, know, listen, I know in a couple more months you'll be back indoors, you know, be regular you know tv watching habits in the meantime let's talk about these fine folks friedrich because how many oh. you, you got a couple left right oh one okay finish it oh, off no, a couple i guess yeah you got a couple man yes i have the chambers of commerce group insurance plan canada's number one group benefits plan for small business go to chamberplan.ca get a free quote today your small business can have a group benefits package for uh your employees it's a, a nice gesture that's security uh it's uh something that uh, they'll appreciate prescriptions uh dental 
uh, certain levels of therapy. They have a mental health component now, even an H, uh, HR option. So imagine that. You don't have an HR department. They can look after certain aspects of that. You know, give you advice. It's fantastic. The Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. I want to talk about our friends in Palma Pasta. I, um, you know, at Palma's Kitchen, I know we've talked about it. What, what you can get there. I don't think people realize. Hang on a second. I'm just, uh, I just closed the document. Well, you've been there. Oh, yes. I was there uh, a couple days ago. And um, here we go. Just want to make sure I get the address right. It's not just Palma. It's not just pasta and pasta-related things. You know, I got a bunch of groceries there. I got corn. I got avocado. I got spinach. It's like a grocery store, Palma's Kitchen. I mean, you could get all the, uh, you know, all the great, you know, Prior made foods, but I mean, here's what I made. <laughs> here's what I made. I made a um, a corn salad. I uh, grilled corn on the barbecue, along okay. with these sausages that I got, <laughs> and then I, I I cut the corn niblets, put in some green onion, a red onion, and a whole bunch of other stuff, avocado, and some grapes that I got from Palmas Kitchen, <laughs> and I made myself a corn salad. Nice. You ever had one of those? It's good. Uh, I believe, yes. Delise makes something of that nature. Of course she does. I haven't prepared it myself, but I like something like that. Sometimes she makes, um, what do you call them? You know that place called Freshy? Yes. Sometimes she may Is it Pangoa bowls uh, They're called Yeah yeah Sometimes they do she those bowls yeah, yeah. And corn is involved With that Very good the Corn very is good, good for you man mm-hmm. uh, yeah. If you want to check it out You can There's four locations One in Oakville Three in Mississauga And of course Their online store At palmapasta.com So you have one more uh, Of our uh, supporters We'll get to that So let's do a little yes. more And then we're going to Shut it down Shut it down Um a little bit smoky here today. Is it? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. A bit of a disappointment when you get up after a few... Well, it was rainy here most of the weekend. Yesterday afternoon was nice, as I said. But, yeah, a little bit smoky here. 100,000 square kilometers of Canada has burned this summer. Wow. And and that's right across the country. But 100,000 square kilometers. And you just... You know, I saw, I think, on the news the night before last, it's still burning there and not far from here, like Quebec and Ontario. And we get all that rain, and you think that would um, have some effect, which I'm sure it does on some level. But talk about persistent. My goodness. It's been going on forever. And I think now we're just getting used to it. I was just looking up this uh, website that doesn't seem to want to load called uh, firesmoke.ca. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, here it is. Here's a smoke map. Yeah, you're right. It's still coming down from. Uh... The thing is, we're so. I was going to say we're getting used to it because it moved in yesterday or the day before, and I was like, oh yeah, it seemed because yesterday evening, it's all of a sudden you're like, oh, is it cloudy? No, it's not yeah. cloudy. That's that smoke again. Well, you just 
you know, looking out here, it's just that sort of gray tinge that yeah. you can identify it now. Again, at the beginning of all this, you just thought it, as you said, like an overcast day. But no, there's blue sky up there. Yeah. But that gray tinge, and there's a coolness to the air, too, which I don't like. It sort of creeps me out a bit. Whatever causes that, but... No, I know what you mean. Although, you know, it's been so humid here. You know, again, that's another thing we, we take for granted being Torontonians. Although, I just to pause for a second, I think it's interesting we were talking about... Uh, the lack of, you know, infrastructure in terms of subways, et cetera, and the 401. But mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's funny that now Toronto has this reputation globally as having horrible traffic. Like, we always thought it had bad traffic, but sort of more like a local issue. But when people, like, it's, it's now you hear, it on, you hear it all the time. Not just Tom Cruise, but whenever people reference our city, it has something to do with traffic. Not Los Angeles, Chicago, or New York, but here. But anyway, yes, uh, it's been so humid that sometimes when you get that coolness that moves in, it's almost a relief until you realize it's coming from the fact that smoke is blocking out the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with the traffic to the, you know, I used to think that about my parents, your parents, right? They... In their early age, you know, they cars were relatively new, and then commercial flight was during their developed during their lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was no TV, and they saw that. You know, on some level, we're the same way with technology and computers and stuff. You know, we we know life without that stuff, and I know life in Toronto without traffic being a major issue. Like yeah. I do. I. Really, when I was, I told you, when my first summer job, I lived in Scarborough and the Loblaws warehouse was out at Aaron Mills Parkway in the 401. It just took us 40 minutes to drive there. It wasn't because of traffic. That's how long it took to, to get there at 60 or 70 miles an hour. Wow. And can you imagine making that trip now in the morning? Or I remember, you know, covering sports in the early 80s at CFNY. I'd be in Brampton and the game would be at 7.30. I'd leave the house at 6.30 and be in the press box, wait, you know, f- yeah. with time to spare, waiting for the game to start. I'm trying to think. I in remember the, that. In the mm-hmm. 34 years I've lived here, 34, 89? <laughs> yeah, 34. I, yeah, because we were always immune. Not immune, but we always got, uh, if we were lucky because I drove to work at 4.30 in the morning and drove home at 11. Mm-hmm wasn't so bad it was just i don't remember when it changed but there was a time where coming back to the city was a big drag yeah well it's again it's like a a death by a thousand cuts Mm -hmm. a little bit each month or a little bit each year whatever and now like even the 410 that horrible highway that goes up into brampton going south on a saturday morning you're in traffic stopped in traffic like it's like you used to just take for granted on the weekend there wasn't traffic now there is seven days a week it's just it's again too many cars too many people inadequate um infrastructure and again say what you want about the 413 and then the wetlands and all that stuff but listen if you're going to have a city this size and you and they've just announced way a lot more immigration. You're bringing tons of people into the country, and they end up in this area. Mm-hmm. 
Well, where are they going to go? Where are they going to live? I mean, they talk about these wetlands, so I like I, I get it. They're very valuable, and they can redesignate or whatever. But again, I don't know what the answer is. And the, if you look ahead now, and there's going to be three hundred more thousand people in this city in the next ten years or whatever it is, you got to plan. You got to plan ahead for that. And, you know, be it highways, be it housing, whatever it is, it's just everything's just so stalled because it costs so much money. I don't know what the solution is, but that's our dilemma. I'm in a lucky situation. I can get the hell out if I want. Yeah, and I'm in a good situation here because I'm on the west end of the city. And, you know, other than, you know, yeah, during the winter, I'm definitely more in the middle of downtown Toronto. But I'm 60 seconds Literally, if I catch the light at Islington, I can be on the Gardner and heading west Mm -hmm. in a minute and a half. When I go into the city, I always make it, you know, and Senora is coming here. I'm going to be taking her into Toronto. But the time, I mean, I'm literally, this is true. I'm literally planning now. One of the things I want to take her to is a play at Mervish. And I was looking at times and I made the decision or making decisions based on uh, when I want to go into downtown Toronto, because I don't want to be in my car for an hour and 10 minutes. I've been, it happens to me all the time where I'm 15 minutes from my house, but I'm sitting there. I can see my area and I'm an hour away. Mm -hmm. Now, what I was going to say to you before though, is when I got here, so in 34 years, I don't remember when it changed, but there was a point where you and I, part of it was age, but there was a time prior to this point where you and I didn't mind coming back downtown. I did it all the time. I lived in Oakville, you lived in Brampton, and not just for radio station stuff, just stuff in general. You know, before, you know, our kids got to, we would come and do things on the weekend. We would come and have dinner in Toronto. And at some point it was like, well, part of it was because, you know, drinking and driving. But at a certain point, it became like it's too much trouble. Then we started doing what you and Dahl do now, which is, OK, we'll just drive to the Oakville ghost station and take the yeah. train into the city. But now it's at the point where, you know, even though I live in the city, I don't go much outside of my area for this reason, because it's madness. Yeah, I don't care to go down at all. Um Unless something draws me there, a Blue Jay game or, again, meeting. Like, it's got to be something special. And I know there are people that just, you know, frequently just go downtown because they like the vibe and everything. Well, that's not me. Delise, way more than me. Like, she claims she could live down there. I couldn't. Like, I just couldn't. It's not. That's not me. But you're right. It used to be. I, I guess we were conditioned to the jobs we had. You were conditioned to frequently go downtown but again the traffic wasn't as bad then as it is now Mm -hmm. but when you don't do it for a long time like i i have periods where i don't go downtown and when i'm driving there i notice new condos that weren't there yeah exactly it's crazy yeah it's crazy all right listen let's finish off with uh, our final uh sponsor uh this is a little bit too dank hang on here we go our final sponsor uh, proposed uh, pr- support p- proposal. <laughs> what the fuck am I trying to say? Uh, our final sponsor mentioned. Well, you will. Uh, you you mentioned uh, the Netflix special quarterbacks, and uh, we're just a couple of weeks away from NFL going to training camp, eh? So that's a bittersweet thing. 
Yeah, because I really enjoy the NFL season, but it means the summer is over when it begins. But these guys go to training camp. In fact, I think the quarterbacks and receivers have already reported in some cases, but we're just moments away. And, of course, you know what uh, NFL means. It means wagering and office pools and going to places like Bodog. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Bodog. Uh, Lumby uh, joins us tomorrow from uh, France. Jeff and Julie moved to France in a global pandemic uh, host. And uh, Dan Aran, of course, will be with us, hopefully, for the full edition. Um, tomorrow, also, I want to talk about... Um, there's a couple things that happened that I didn't get to today. One is a uh, something happened in a small plane. Did you hear about this? Where the pilot had an incident and the passenger had to take over. No. And I, I'm going to leave it till I want to leave it till tomorrow because I was kind of curious as to what would what would you do? Yeah, last week I mentioned I fell into that um, YouTube uh, plane um, tragedy uh, rabbit hole, and it was like it freaked me out a bit. <laughs> yeah, like, again, when you think when you're in an airplane, of course, you know they're rarely they're the safest mode of travel there is commercial airlines yeah. but still if if something goes wrong jesus Christ. all goes way wrong yeah 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 you know when we were younger when we were younger by the way we're not going to do ethnic voices i guess we'll do that tomorrow when we were younger planes fell out of the sky all the fucking time you know what i mean there were a lot more now it's so rare that when it happens it gets a lot of uh, attention. And when I think of that technology and what planes are, why it doesn't happen more, it blows me away. But then again, as you've explained sometimes, it's almost it's like it's it's almost like foolproof, like right? Well, like, relatively. Like, you know, yeah. you know what, another thing that makes me laugh that happened when you and I were kids is that fucking planes just got hijacked all the time. Yes. Remember that? The hijacking mm-hmm. period? Anyway, mm-hmm. that's on tomorrow's show. Lumby, Dan, well, I'll be back in the meantime. Hang on. Let me get Dan's uh, weirdly recorded uh, thing here. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Architect Outdoor Living, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto. We read all of our emails, and we've got the Thursday email show with the Palma Pasta Prize that could feature you, Humble and Fred, at HumbleandFredRadio.com. So tell us what you think. Liking and subscribing really helps us out. So does writing a review. So say something. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, if things go as planned, we'll all end up as super seniors. Remembering the old days and saying things like, kids these days, and in my day, and enjoy every goddamn day. Fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?